What do you do when you realize that you're a woman trapped in a man's body? What do you do when you realize the man you married is a woman? In this series, we reflect on our past to discuss how we got here and explore where we can go from this point moving forward. Hi, and welcome to The Rage. My name is Calista Termini. And my name is Jennifer Termini. And today uh, we are going to be answering uh, some questions from one of our patrons, uh, David. And so uh, we're doing this over Zoom um, as we tend to do when we get super busy with life. Uh, so things happen busy. So um, anyway, but before we launch into questions, how are you, Jennifer? Frazzled. <laughs> I'm fine, but I'm just, yeah, it's just been a busy day just running from thing to thing to thing and barely making it here and computer problems and you know that kind of stuff but I'm healthy and everything's fine otherwise good thank you how are you same super busy it's it's hard I mean I know both of us are having a hard time finding the time to actually set up and get everything you know situated so that we can actually record um you know and I uh I think one of the things that happened that uh since we last uh, recorded was I'd have a tooth pulled um, because it cracked. And so <laughs> I've been dealing with that, but otherwise I've been super busy too. So anyway, but we haven't been able to really see each other much lately. It's just been super busy with everything. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of, you know, health issues, I found out I have high cholesterol, so I have to exercise to try to fit that into my schedule has been a challenge, but I did go hiking yesterday. And um, and uh, a little bit anemic, so I've got to take um iron pills. Good for you. Good for me. No, not <laughs> well, good for I mean, bad I mean, for me. The exercise. I think, that's why, I think that's why I've been extra tired lately. So at least there's like a reason for it. So I'm just gonna start eating more leafy greens, and you know, hopefully, I can change my diet. Good, and you know, I've been doing the neurofeedback thing since um, we had that episode. Um, with Natalia, Natalia, yeah, Natalia. Um, and, uh, it's been interesting, um, because it's given me like, I've had some headaches associated with it. And you think, are you sure it's associated with it or do you think it's something else? No, I think it's associated because it feels like pressure. Um, and it's usually in the back of the head where they put the, um, little EEG things, uh, and what I've noticed is typically I go twice a week and I didn't go this week because of the holiday and the headache or the pressure that I've been feeling really has come down a lot. So, you know, we could, this is really like topic for a whole different episode. Yeah. So I'll save it for another time. I was just trying to catch up with you and see how things have been. So busy. Yep. Same. Very busy. But anyway, um, let's get to the questions. Uh, so the first question that David asks is, what sort of music do you like and has that changed since your divorce? I'll let you go first. Oh, OK. <laughs> I right now I'm listening to artists such as Harry Styles, Noah and Miley Cyrus, Leon Bridges, Chris Stapleton. 
those are kind of my main go-tos right now. And I think that has changed from the past. I think before I used to listen to a lot of, um, gosh, I don't even remember. I mean, I, I think Britney Spears probably in the past and maybe, um, do you recall what I used to listen to? Well, you used to Tom listen Petty. Tom Petty, sure. Um, Pearl Jam, you really like Pearl Jam a lot. Yes, I did. I went through a big Pearl Jam phase. Oh, yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to that again. I like Eddie Vedder. No doubt. Well, you know, I can say for myself that my music has definitely broadened. But it wasn't the divorce that was the result of it. It was the result, resort, resort, result of my transition. And, um, you know, I had very narrow uh, idea. Well, I mean, it's kind of complicated because, you know, my emotional range was really narrow. And also I sort of put these conditions on myself as to what was acceptable for a man to listen to. So yeah. listening to um, and I just had these very like myopic viewpoints, like I was trying to maintain this image of being manly. So a lot of it was alternative rock, hard rock, wasn't really too much into like I was into like like. Okay, so like, uh, I mean, a I'm a child of the 80s and 90s. So, uh, you know, I used to listen to a lot of like Metallica and Nirvana, um, Pearl Jam. Maybe a little, little White Snake, maybe. Oh, yeah. White Snake, Motley Crue, Dokken. Um, so a lot of that stuff. Um, Def Leppard. Oh, don't even get me started. Def Leppard was one of my favorite, favorite bands. But I kind of stayed in that genre and I didn't allow myself to explore other genres. Um, but when I transitioned, I realized that I didn't have to pretend it in that, you know, listening to like Taylor Swift, for example, who I love, I love, love, yeah. love Taylor Swift. I think you're a bona fide Swifty at this point. Definitely. Definitely. I would be so thrilled to go to a show anyway. Um, but I really enjoy her music, especially like her new stuff, like Folklore. It's just like one of my favorite albums. But it was me allowing myself to uh, not have to pretend that, like if I listened to something like Taylor Swift before I transitioned, it was this, oh, that somehow I was going to out myself, even though I wasn't even out to myself. Um, I just didn't allow myself to listen to things like that. So yeah, Taylor Swift, um, trying to think, uh, I would say that you were like, a, a heavy metal person yeah. before that's the image that you portrayed. Yeah. Like you really liked, I think like Metallica and maybe Ozzy Osbourne and, um, you know, Black Sabbath and those kind of bands like, well, you you just really gravitated towards everything traditionally heavier metal. Yeah. And so it's interesting now, like, say, for example, like Soundgarden, I really liked Soundgarden a lot. And I still like some of their music, but it's like really dark and angsty and loud. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really that person anymore. Um, you know, I yeah. like you know, again, um, you know, uh, 
stuff that is more emotionally appealing to me instead of just being all this, you know, sadness or angst or pain, you know, music about pain. Yeah. Um, now it's like really about music about like love and getting in touch. And so uh, like, I can't remember the artist's name, but there's this artist and she sings the song and she says, I think the line is we'd be to you promised we'd be together forever, but now I drive past your house alone. Oh, that's Olivia Rodrigo. Love. I feel like my is my phone like sliding forward slowly, slowly, slowly. I'm on my phone right now. Maybe. Sorry. And it just looked like all of a sudden it was like going. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's Olivia Rodrigo. Um, yeah. I'm so, having um, a new found uh, love of Holland Oats. I'm like way into Sarah Smile and all those old um, Hall and Oates songs. I'm like so into it right now. So when I sit on my computer and I work, I'm just blasting that, singing along. Yeah. Well, and I will share something uh, kind of interesting. So uh, I did like, again, when I was, um, you know, a teenager, used to listen to bands like Led Zeppelin too and things like that, ACDC, blah, blah, blah. Um, But I... Uh, have a copy of the song remains the same uh, the video concert from them I think it was in Madison Square Garden in 1972 is that the one where Hart performed their song Ann Wilson no 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 this is in 1972 oh it's not Kennedy Center honors when they were honoring Led Zeppelin no that was you know like 2000 and you know 14 or something so um, no, this was um, the a film that they did in 1972 of the concert of them performing in Madison Square Garden in New York. And they went back and they digitally remastered it frame by frame and did all the sound. And I watched part of it. I didn't get all the way through it, but I watched part of it after transitioning. And when I watched it before, I was just all into the music and everything. And I was watching it and I got to say, like, Robert Plant is seriously, was seriously hot and like noticing like things like I would have never even had the slightest bit of attraction. And now it's like, oh, yeah, now I see what girls were so like enamored with and just (laughs) like that sexual charisma that he had. And I was like, okay. All right. That's something I didn't notice before. So, yeah, I mean, a lot has changed with music for me. And I think the biggest part of that is just been allowing myself to not feel like I am limited to listening to something because of what it says about me. I'm not pretending to be somebody anymore. So there's a lot more freedom for me there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think there's been more change for you than me mm-hmm. um, as far because I I mean, my musical taste kind of ebbs and flows and goes all over the place. I like so many different types of music. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'd even say like Pearl Jam, like you used to listen to Pearl Jam. And I mean, I liked Pearl Jam when they first were in sort of like the you know, the grunge era of the 1990s, but the newer stuff that they came out with, which was much more melodic, much more um, like, you know, I love that song, like, uh, lucky, lucky man, I think it's called, you know, some better man. No, no, no. Some people have, um, uh, like talked about like people who they love. Some people have one, some people have none. 
And he's like, and I have like, you know, people to love and just like, oh, I'm a lucky man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a beautiful song. And it just like those kinds of things like really touch me. And I wouldn't have been touched by that. I would have just been like, Ugh, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, some of the music from Into the Wild. Yeah. He's just very talented. Very talented. So I do. I appreciate the fact that I get to, you know, sort of experience music all over again and uh, feel very new about it. All right. I think okay. we uh, answered that question pretty question sufficient. Number, right? yeah, question number one. Okay. So question number two that David asks, um, a man must achieve to feel validated, whereas a woman is validated by being a woman. Could you each comment on that? I'll let you go first. Okay. I mean, I'll go first if you want. Uh, yeah, you go first. Okay. So, no, I disagree. Um, so, first of all, I, I can't tell you necessarily what felt validating for a man because when I was, you know, pretending or acting um, as a man, it wasn't a validating experience for me. Um, it was a very invalidating experience. And the validation I receive now is about, you know, where I do see there is being my authentic self. And I don't necessarily make that about femininity or being a woman necessarily. It's about just being in touch with my core self. And that does feel very validating. But my validation, my main validation these days comes from being a contribution to other people. I think when I was younger, I was more motivated by money and the idea of working on projects that um, had, had uh, some sense of, you know, clout to them uh, when I had the opportunity to work on bigger projects. Uh, but it was really about money. And, you know, as much as sure money is important, it's not my driving force anymore. My driving force is um, how can I be a contribution to other people? And uh, I think the connection that I'm able to create with others as well as within myself, that's where I find my validation. You know, I, I find that what I think in my, you know, twilight years, when I think about, you know, twilight years, twilight years. <laughs> you're no, one no. step away from the grave. <laughs> no, but I do think like, you know, what is the legacy that I leave? And I do feel like by helping other people, um, that I'm leaving the world a better place than I found it. And yeah. so that's that's my my validation. Well, it's interesting when you were, you, you said pretending to be male. And what struck me about that is that there was so, not so many, but there were several times in our relationship where you would act a certain way or say something. And I would think internally, boy, it's like she's really putting on a show. <laughs> But why? But at the time I was saying, he's it's like, why is he acting? It doesn't yeah. seem it doesn't seem genuine. It doesn't seem real. And in particular, the example is when you would be talking to a man and you would say, hey, man. And this 
I've heard other guys say, hey, man, hey, bro. And it rolls off the tongue and I don't think anything of it. You would say, hey, man. And it just was like nails on a chalkboard. I'm like, it doesn't feel okay. That's extreme. Not nails on a chalkboard. It didn't like irritate me, but I thought that doesn't feel genuine. That doesn't feel like Callista as I knew you when we were married. Like it just didn't gel. And I thought something's off, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I just thought you were uncomfortable. I was, you know, that you were trying to fit in, which yeah. you were, but I didn't know the reasons why. Yeah. So just so interesting. Yes. But I'm, I was also listening to you say about how you used to be more clout and money focused, and now it's more validation and helping others. And I totally get that because my motivation has almost always been non-monetary. It's almost always been um, getting together with family and friends and making a good connection, like having fun together, doing something nice for a friend or a family member or making like, and, and for me, a lot of it is around entertaining and food and being able to create like a nice environment to have friends or family over. Like we would have holidays and I, it was really important to me to like set a nice table and make sure everyone had a place to sit like for holidays and that they felt special and they felt wanted. And, um, that was really important to me. It still is important to me. And I wonder if now that you are fully living and feeling as a woman, you've stepped into that role that I've always been in. And that to me, maybe that's the difference between femininity and masculinity in some, in some aspect. Yeah, maybe, but I definitely think it's a very individual thing. And I don't think that this is one of those things that you can place like, again, there's sort of like this binary of how men are supposed to be and women are supposed to be. And then that also just sort of plays to this idea of how invalidating that is for many men or women who feel that they have to act or behave a certain way in order to feel accepted. Um, You know, and I think that that for me was one of the things that was so hard. And I wish that I, you know, it's, neither here nor there, but the idea of, boy, I wish I lived in a world where I could have just been, it would have been okay for me to be a more sensitive person and that there was more social acceptance for me to be myself rather than feel like I had to, you know, go by, you know, um, some sort of edict that society had created about what a man is supposed to be and what a woman is supposed to be. And again, that leaves out all of the people who are non-binary or questioning their gender or are, you know, um, you know, on some sort of a, you know, neurodiverse spectrum as well, this sort of polarity. And I don't think that the binary is, is a natural thing. I think it's a very artificial thing that society has created. I'm thinking of the binary as like that um, that hook that comes out when you're on stage and you're dancing and you're doing your performance and here comes that hook to pull you off. It's like you're trying to just be yourself and express who you are and here comes the binary hook. You yeah. got to be one way or the other. You got to be on this side of the stage or that side of the stage and and the audience is looking at you to choose and the and the the hook is going to pull you one way or the other and then the dancer keeps going back to the middle saying I don't want any of that. I just want to be me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, again, I think that it's something that is coming up again and again in our society and our version of society. And a lot of people are rallying against that. Whereas a lot of people 
are also very accepting of that. But yeah, well, we're in the middle of a bit of a, a revolution of sorts. You know, things are changing and it takes time and it takes conversation and it takes people talking about it to start to make things start to move the needle. Agreed. Okay, so next question. Um, have any of your friends and relatives not approved of you um, filming and putting out episodes of The Rage? Well, I'll start. Okay. My dad, my, my biological dad, um, doesn't watch it at all, doesn't acknowledge it, doesn't talk about it, doesn't ask me questions about it. It's as if it doesn't exist, which is strange to me. But what can I do? Um, my mom watches. She watches and we talk about it sometimes. I don't think my stepdad does, but he's not, he doesn't, I mean, he's on the internet, but barely. So um, my sisters, I don't think they watch it. They don't disapprove, but they just don't watch. So mm -hmm. there's not a lot of conversation going on. So I think the only person that really watches with any kind of regularity that I can have conversations with about it would be my mom. And uh, she doesn't approve or disapprove. It's just, it is what it is. Um, I guess she would lean more on the side of approving than disapproving because she doesn't say, don't do it. She doesn't say, why are you doing it? You know, she just is like, oh, that's interesting, you know. So I don't know. What about your family? Yeah, I don't think that anybody in my family watches it. I don't think they really care. Um, not necessarily a bad way, but I just don't think that this is something that they're interested in. Um, I think that my brother-in-law has had some concerns that we've certainly discussed about, um, you know, privacy and worrying about putting ourselves and maybe other family members indirectly um, in some sort of harm's way uh, because we are being, you know, public figures as far as, you know, this channel is concerned. Um, but other than that, it's not really a part of their life. The only person who ever asks or I know ever watches is my girlfriend, Dee. Um, and she's sure to tell me when I get things wrong, you know? Um, so, and, you know, there have been some conversations about things and she tries to be supportive. Well, I should say she is supportive. Um, but, you know, it's it's sometimes it's not easy um, because some of the conversations that we've had, um, you and I, and then, you know, uh, where especially she's involved. And then I end up in a situation where um, I guess I didn't say things the correct way or I misinterpreted or whatever. And so um, I don't necessarily think that doesn't count as not approval, but certainly. I think that sometimes she feels misrepresented in how I've, or, you know, and I think sometimes maybe I feel like maybe I could have done more um, to represent her more accurately. So that has happened. Yeah. Uh, my friends, some watch, some only listen, not all of them watch. So some do, some don't, it's sort of hit and miss and, um, my boyfriend doesn't really watch maybe once in a while he'll he'll check out an episode, but I, yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah. None of my neighbors watch. They all know about it, but they don't watch. So 
I think, you know, and then there are several people in the community that I know that do watch and will provide feedback and things like that. And I do. I appreciate that. I like getting the feedback and knowing that it's helping other people in the community. Um, but, you know, of my friends personally, I know some of them have watched it or listened to it, but, you know, not enough that it's like they are ardent followers as far as I know. Yeah, uh, there's one friend of mine from high school who's very supportive. She usually puts a like on the video if I share it to my social media. And she's been pretty consistent about that. And she's um, not not a friend that I talk to every day. She's someone from high school that I knew and maybe knew in middle school, too. And very sweet. But she's been very supportive. So it's very interesting that some of my best friends don't subscribe. They're not hitting the like button and they're not commenting. But here's a friend that I knew in middle school and high school who's very, very supportive. And so it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. And I, I appreciate her support. Yeah, definitely. No, it's nice. And I certainly appreciate everyone's support, everyone listening and watching. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, this is our last question and it's a doozy. Um, oh, do I need to have a sip of my wine? Oh, yeah. how dare you? I don't have any wine. Um, let's see. What does sex mean emotionally to a woman and to a man? And how do the feelings differ? <laughs> what? There's emotions in sex? Well, I don't know <laughs> what sex means to a man. Um, I think I know what it means, but um, I don't. Necessarily... Well, OK, let's ask you, what did it what did it mean when you were pretending to be? Well, I, I think that there's. Was it just conquest? Uh, no. Um, it was just awkward, huh? You know, I think that. I'm trying to put my my thoughts together. Um, you know, sex was always such a weird thing. And I, I well, first of all, there's a difference between sex and intimacy, right? So you can have sex with someone and not have any connection to that person. And I think that that's something that both men and women are capable of doing. But yeah. there seems to be more predominance among men doing that, whether or not <clears throat> that's because of testosterone. My, my experience on when I was dominant uh, with testosterone was that my emotional range was, you know, down like this. And there was like, uh, again, just speaking for myself, you think about sex 24, seven, 365, even when you don't want to think about it, you're thinking about it. I find that so strange to hear you say that you've said it before. Mm -hmm. You did not behave that way in our marriage. Oh. You did not present that way. You did not give any clues that you were thinking about it 24, seven. No clue ever. Yeah. That, that shocks me to hear you say that. It's like, when did you have time to be thinking about that? Because you were always playing video <laughs> games or tinkering with the car or. Yeah. And working. these are all things to distract yourself from thinking about it. Um, you know, because thinking about it was uncomfortable and it wasn't just about um, <clears throat> about having sex with you. Um, it was about. You yeah, because I don't think you were thinking about that a lot. I wasn't thinking about it with anybody a lot other than, you know, feeling very confused and anxious about it. Um, but Oh, so but you were you, thinking about it, but in an awkward way. 
Yes. And so the thing is, is that testosterone, again, this is just my opinion. I'm not a doctor. So, um, but testosterone drives sexual desire. They've given testosterone to women and they have gone to it. it this is again, I'm kind of being anecdotal. This was a study that I heard about um, where they gave them testosterone and that made them more um, sexually promiscuous, where they would find themselves in, you know, clubs picking up on guys and having sex with them uh, much more so than they would if they were just on their normal dose of, you know, uh, their, their normal testosterone, because everybody has testosterone, both men and women. It's just that men have this much and women have this much. Um, so you do need both. So when I um, started taking hormones, that uh, impotency, that that sexual impotency, it felt like, you know, because I just felt like this isn't, it was never, and we've talked about this, like it never felt right um, for me. And so, you know, masturbation and uh, fantasizing about being a woman, having sex as a woman was the thing that did feel validating for me, even though I was still, you know, by and large functioning with testosterone and male anatomy at that time. I have um, a little anecdote about the testosterone, if you don't yeah. mind. No, go for it. So a friend of mine is, um, went to see a, a doctor about hormones because her hormones were, you know, like going to menopause and they were changing. And she was able to get a hold of uh, via prescription, some testosterone cream. And she put this cream on in her arm. I think it was under her arm or something. You have to put it someplace where other people won't touch it because it's very, it, it transfers easy and it affects people. It's very powerful. And uh, she said if she would take a little teeny dot of that testosterone cream and if she would apply it to her genitals, it would really enhance arousal. Oh, yeah. 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 And in fact, if that's done repeatedly um, over a long period of time, it will actually the clitoris will start to swell and will enlarge um, like it's trying to be a penis. Yes. And this is something that uh, that happens with trans men. Wow. OK. Yeah. So um, and then similarly, you know, with estrogen, um, my genitalia um, changed in terms of what was, you know, in terms of arousal, in terms of, you know, ability to have an erection, um, which I was not unhappy about when I wasn't really able to anymore. But um, that all changed. But in terms of the feelings, like thinking about what does sex mean emotionally, I could say that, you know, and I don't think that this is any secret. We see it in TV and film all the time. Like men are able to go out and sow their wild oats and it's a sign of their virility, right? Whereas if a woman does it, she's considered a whore or a slut. Um, so there's slut a shank. Yeah. Yeah, definite double standard there um, that exists. But men are able to do that. They are able to um, uh, compartmentalize um, sex and be able to do it for the purpose of, you know, just sexual gratification and no other purpose. You used to talk about that. You used to talk about that a lot when we were married and I would get so mad. I'm like, are you trying to justify having an affair? Like, 
why do you keep talking about how it's so easy to just have sex with someone? It doesn't mean anything. I'm like, you're really pissing me off right now. Cause to me, I mean, I could do it if I had to, but I don't want to. Right. And my neighbor said to me, well, you know, if, if you're single and you want to have sex, why can't you just have sex with someone or people or whoever and not have it be a relationship? And I said, I just don't like that for me. I yeah. just don't, I don't, it feels empty. Yeah. I want someone that I care about. I want someone who cares about me. I want to be seen and heard. And um, I don't want to just be a, a warm body in a bed for someone who doesn't care at all about me. I want someone to care about me. And then if they care, then I open up and I'm trusting. And then, you know, we can have a physical union and maybe that's super old fashioned, but to me, that's really, really important. And it enhances any physical experience that I may have. Yes. And so to that, to your point, um, that's how I feel now. Like, and I think one of the things that was so nice about no longer being dominated, um, by testosterone in terms of that, you know, uh, uh, sex drive that was always there. And maybe that's a better way of putting it. It's like the, not so much always thinking about sex. Cause yeah, sure. I mean, I did other things, but there was always this uh, sex drive that was always there and it never goes away. And now the difference is it's like, there is no sex drive. <laughs> but if someone starts to you know, make me feel aroused. Like I can certainly be aroused, but you have to make me feel like, you know, special and safe. Well, I need to feel safe. Yeah. I need to feel um, as though I make them feel a certain way. Yeah. Creating that intimacy. And that's what we're really talking about. There needs to be the creation of intimacy in order for me to feel. Um, sexually attracted to someone, but it's also an emotional attraction. So sure, I could go out and I could have sex if I wanted to, but why would I? It would just be meaningless and empty and, you know, and it wouldn't really do anything for me because I'm not creating something with someone. I will say that there is a physiological component to this that doesn't necessarily need, um, all the other emotional attachments. Like if my boyfriend is next to me and if he, if he's two feet away, it's different than if he's six inches from me, if he's six inches from me after about 10 minutes, if I feel him up against me, well, my body starts to react to that because it's like, Oh, I feel yeah. his energy. I feel his muscles. I feel that he's close. And that starts to awaken things that would be dormant if he was three feet away. It's like, yeah. eh, he's just there. And it's like, eh. but get a little closer, get somewhere near the neck, you know, and <laughs> the arms go around and all of a sudden, like things just start click clicking on, turning on. And, and it's strictly because of the proximity and that I like him and the trust and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and I agree, like all of those things are very important now, whereas, yeah, sure, it wasn't important. It was, you know, we had intimacy, you and I, um, which I definitely needed, but, you know, we had that without really much of a sexual relationship because of, you know, the... Um, you know, as I've talked about the, uh, you know, that it would cause me to, you know, sexually dissociate. 
Um, yeah, I didn't feel like we had passion. Seldom did we have passion. You know, we did. I mean, we had sex, but we didn't have a lot of romance and passion. No. And, you know, and I get it. And that had everything to do with me. And I'm really glad that you're with someone right now. Oh, I, I didn't mean that as a slight towards you. <laughs> If it came no. across that way, I apologize. I didn't mean it that way because I there, I was part of that duo. So there was no passion or romance really coming from me either. So it's uh, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that's what our relationship sort of was. We were such good friends and we loved each other, but we were not um, we weren't meant uh, we were not. Um, what is the word? Living our best life romantically. Sure together but we had so many other things that we enjoyed um yeah. that were bringing us together so yeah. if I offended you I didn't mean that no you didn't and I think I was just you know owning my role in that situation because you know I can acknowledge now like and see like at the time I couldn't see what was wrong um but now I'm able to you know notice and and know the difference um so I was just really more so than anything else doing that, just acknowledging what I know now. You know, I'm, I'm just laughing because I just had a memory and it's not it's not exactly related, but it's kind of related. So I, there was a time where I was gaining a lot of weight during our marriage. I was just, you know, eating my feelings or whatever I was doing and I was gaining weight. And you were working on a fitness show for like VH1 or something flab to fab or something like that exactly. and you were learning all about body mass index and weights and stuff and you said to me you know your bmi is very high like <laughs> you are you are almost obese and i was so annoyed and offended you weren't wrong but i was like screw you you were so <laughs> mad at me so <laughs> i was so mad, mad at you and then to follow up and add insult to injury i go on a vacation with my family and my mom says, I, I'm going to, everyone's having lunch and I was going to have a hot dog. And my mom's like, Are you sure you want to eat that hot dog? And I said, yeah. And she looked at me and I said, it's lunchtime. And she goes, well, not everyone eats three meals a day. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going to have lunch. I was so mad. And so my, my point is like, nobody can tell you what to do. And it's, and it works like a person has to want to change. I had to want to lose weight. I had to want to do it for myself. You telling me I was borderline obese and my mother telling me not to have that hot dog, you know, all, all it made me do was put the big middle finger up inside my head and say, I'm not doing anything for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then later when I wanted to have a second child, I was like, yeah, I better lose weight. And boy, that weight came off within three months. It was just, like, it just fell off. Mm -hmm. So it's very fascinating when the mind is uh, open to something and it wants it, it does it. And, but nobody can tell us what we should be doing. It doesn't work. No, at least not for me. No, our, our reason why, our, our reason why what I'm hearing is has to be larger, has to be bigger than our excuses. You know, because as human beings, we love to live in our excuses and the only time that or our comfort zone. And the only time when we get out of that is there has to be a, a really big reason why. Yeah. And um, I wanted to be healthy for our unborn child. Yeah. And that was like all the motivation I needed. And it's kind of weird because it's like, why wasn't I motivated for my husband? Why wasn't I motivated for my mom? Those things 
only made me dig my heels in deeper and go have a, you know, a taco and a tortilla and a popsicle and a whatever, just a big F you to everyone. But meanwhile, I'm the one who's suffering. I was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and so interesting, right? We can be so stubborn. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) To Um, our own detriment. Yep. Well, you know, speaking of food, actually, I have not eaten anything much today. So um, that does wrap up uh, the questions that we had. Oh, so thank you, David, for asking those questions. And thank you for supporting this channel. We absolutely were so pleased to be able to answer your questions because um, you've been so good to us and we really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. Um, So as always to everyone else, thank you so much for watching and supporting our channel. Uh, If you liked what you saw, please hit that subscribe button below. Like and share and comment and give us more questions and maybe we'll do an episode for you. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful day, evening, or week, or wherever you are. Um, Enjoy and be kind to yourself. I didn't want, I was like, I almost took what's her name's line. Oh, Ellen. Ellen. I was like, oh, wait, no, be kind to yourself. That's what I meant to say. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into The Rage. If you haven't done so already, please hit the like, share, and subscribe button now. We truly appreciate all your wonderful support. Find us on social media at The Rage Episodes and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Want to get more involved? Join us on Patreon. Supporters receive extra benefits as well as access to member-only content. Thanks again and have a beautiful day.